Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody. Doggy Dan here with another edition of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show. And today I am with Dr. Gary Richter. So excited to have you here, uh, Dr. Gary. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Today, um, I'm so excited because this is a topic which is fairly new to me, to be honest. Um, CBD oil for dogs. And Dr. Gary Richter is going to talk us through so much stuff. So for those of you who think you know a lot about CBD oil and hemp and marijuana and this sort of stuff, then Dr. Gary Richter is going to be able to explain a little bit more. And for those of you who are new to this and are thinking about what is involved, what is THC and CBD, and you've heard all these words, um, like I say, Dr. Gary is going to talk us through all that stuff. And um, yeah, it's going to be a really fascinating podcast, so much to cover off. But first, I wanted to explain a little bit about who Dr. Gary Richter is. So he's a certified veterinary acupuncturist and uh, chiropractor. Um, he's owned his own veterinary hospital for almost 20 years now in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a graduate of uh, Florida and a Bachelor of Science there. He's got a Master of Science. He's got a Doctorate of Veterinary Medicine. Um, he's written books. He's been on TV. He's done all sorts of stuff. Um, is that a fair summary? I mean, you're one of those people, Dr. Gary, who's got so much knowledge about so many topics and so many things. It's hard to put you in a to summarize you. Is that? It is. It, it is a fair summation. I know there's a. It, it's. It can be hard to d determine which way to go there. Yeah, I know you do all sorts of other stuff with uh, hyperbaric oxygen chambers and. Uh, pulse signal therapy and people are probably thinking what on earth is all that stuff but that's a totally different <laughs> podcast <laughs> but um yeah tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words love to, love to sure hear so um as you mentioned i'm a veterinarian i would describe myself as an integrative practice veterinarian meaning that i practice both western medicine as well as uh, what is frequently termed complementary and alternative medicine or holistic medicine. Uh, and the reason why I do that is because I find that no one form of medicine has all the answers. There's certainly, you know, there's certainly things that Western medicine is very good at fixing and others that it is not. There are things that alternative medicine is very good at fixing and others that it is not. So, you know, I, I, I've always been one to really try and keep options open as far as treatments go uh, for my patients in order to try and figure out what is the, the best course of treatment to get them healthy and keep them healthy. Uh, and really that has sort of led me on a career path to always be looking for other things out there that may be able to help my patients, whether that is Western medicine or ancient traditional medicine or cutting edge technology. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, you know, it's, it's not as important to me where it came from as it is, does it work? Um, so that was really what led me down the path to start investigating cannabis for animals. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I live here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, uh, California and the San Francisco Bay Area in particular has really been sort of at the epicenter of the medical cannabis movement in this country. Um, and it was in, it was inevitable 
that that both I and every other veterinarian in this area was going to have people coming into their offices asking about using cannabis for their pets. And, and it really started to get me thinking about whether or not this is something that could be done. And, you know, lo and behold, years later, I think the, the unequivocal answer to that question is yes. Um, and now we're at a point where like every other medication, pharmaceutical or otherwise, it's a question of what is the appropriate, safe and effective dose for any given individual or any given condition. Wow. I loved what you just said. It so resonated with me. Um, we partly have this, mainly I would say actually, because we have the same philosophy with our own health and for the health of our children that sometimes we kind of go down what we call that Western route and sometimes we go much more down the Eastern side or the alternative or whatever. And um, yeah, and I think like you say, at the, at the heart of this is we will do what is best for our dogs or our yes. children or ourselves. Yes. So a lot of respect to you. And I can feel, you know, I, at the end of the day, this is what a lot of what, what I try and share with people is at the end of the day, it's, it's that love and care for the dogs that is the most important thing of all. So total, so much respect and thank you for coming on the show once again. You bet. So for those people who really want to know more about just the basics, like the difference between hemp and cannabis and um, yeah, could you talk a little bit, just very, very top line stuff. So what's the difference between hemp and marijuana and cannabis and what is CBD and what, is it, what does it stand for? Okay. So um, let's start, I mean, let's start from the beginning. We'll start with the plant and, and kind of work our way outwards from there. So beautiful, beautiful. So if we're going to get, if we're going to get technical, um, the cannabis plant, the, the, the cannabis plant that is used to derive all forms of uh, either, either uh, medicinal or recreational cannabis uh, is known as cannabis sativa L. Uh, there are other species of cannabis that, that exist out there, but pretty much everything that is used to make medicine or, or, or recreational compounds comes from cannabis sativa L. Now, um, so cannabis sativa is a very, it's a very broad thing, however, because there are, there are countless, and the terminology is, is, is not exact here, but call it either subspecies or cultivars or strains or whatever, whatever your, your word of choice is. But there are, there are, there are countless different, I'll use strains that produce different chemical compounds. Now, now cannabis as a plant can produce hundreds, if not thousands of different chemical compounds that have medicinal activity, including compounds called cannabinoids. And there are well over a hundred cannabinoids that have been identified in cannabis um, some of which you've heard of, uh, such as CBD and THC. Others you may not have, CBG, CBC, CBN, these sorts of things. Yeah. And there is intense research looking into what the potential medicinal uses are for these various compounds. So when we start to look at you know, the difference between hemp and what is termed marijuana – then we're really starting to get away from the scientific and more into the legal. Um, so as I said, you know, it's all coming from the same plant. It's all cannabis sativa L. However, at least in the United States, federally speaking, 
any cannabis plant that naturally produces less than 0.3% THC, and THC is the psychoactive compound in cannabis that, that gets people high. Um, so any plant that produces less than 0.3% THC is called hemp. Uh, and that is something that at this moment in time is legal to produce and transport in the U.S. Uh, to be honest with you, the, the, the legal framework beyond that is a little bit murky, um, although clearly there is a robust hemp-based product market out there. Uh, so, so generally speaking, anything that produces more than 0.3% THC is what the federal government calls marijuana. Now, again, this is a bit of a, a bit of a digression, but I mean, marijuana really, quite frankly, is somewhat of a pejorative term and the industry is trying to get away from it um, because it has all kinds of negative connotations. Yeah. You know, the, the, the term that most people are, are preferring to go with is, is, is cannabis or high THC cannabis or something to that effect. Um, but clearly marijuana is still out there in the vernacular and you will, you will hear it quite frequently. Um, now, other than THC, uh, the psychoactive component, uh, is another compound, the other sort of predominant cannabinoid that cannabis produces, uh, which is called CBD, uh, which uh, also called cannabidiol. So cannabidiol is, it's not intoxicating in the sense that it doesn't get you high. Um, it is in the technical sense psychoactive because anybody who's ever taken cannabidiol will tell you that it is very relaxing. It is very calming. It clearly has an effect on your, on your mental state. So it does affect your brain, um, but not in the sort of pro profound and potentially debilitating way that, that THC can. And there is a lot of research looking into medical uses of, of CBD along with all of the other cannabinoids. CBD tends to get a lot of attention right now because of, because of the availability of these very low to no THC, but relatively high CBD strains of cannabis that are called hemp. And, and as I think most people know, there is a robust market out there um, for both humans and animals, uh, you know, selling these, these medicines that are derived from hemp. Uh, most of which contain CBD as well as other compounds naturally produced in the cannabis plant. Brilliant. Everybody got that? A hemp-based CBD product basically is, uh, yeah, so many of the benefits, but without the high. And um, obviously when we're working with dogs, we don't really want any high. <laughs> we don't want them getting the the hallucinogenic side of things that was that's that's great and i know one thing is there are different laws obviously all around the world so what you're talking about if you want to just put this into perspective this is this is really everything you're talking about here is based on us law i think we should just cover that off as a bit of a disclaimer at the start as well yeah that 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 is correct i mean you know everything i just said as it pertains to hemp being defined as you know less than 0.3% thc and federal laws that is all specific to the us every country has has their own laws and frankly even within the us every state has specific laws um that 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 impact you know both people as well as as well as veterinarians so uh you know it's it's both a national and a kind of a local issue uh wherever you live brilliant now 
There is something I'd love to cover as well, which is your position as a vet is very, very interesting for me. You you don't actually sell. Um, we're not at the stage yet. I say yet. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But where you're actually able to promote and recommend products. And so you don't actually sell these um, in the vets. Is that can you give people an understanding of your, you know, your what your angle, where you're coming from as to what you are allowed to um, talk about? Yeah. So um, again, I mean, this really comes back to it's not only a national issue, but it's a more local issue. So, so here in California, um, myself and and a number of my professional colleagues have been involved in in what is now going on a four year a, a four year battle, if you will, um, with both the state legislature as well as the veterinary medical board in this state to allow veterinarians to recommend cannabis for our patients. Because as I, as I have explained to various regulatory agencies, if people are not able to get reliable information about cannabis for their pets from their veterinarian, they're going to go somewhere else and look for it. So they're going to go to the pet store. They're going to go to a cannabis dispensary. They're going to go online. Regardless, they're going to get information from questionable um, and possibly unreliable and unsafe sources. So, so we've been making the argument for years that, that veterinarians need to be part of this process. Now, I will say that we have had um, moderate success. So veterinarians in California are now allowed to, quote, discuss the use of cannabis for our patients. We are not allowed to, quote, recommend, um, although, to be frank, where the definition of discuss ends and recommend begins, nobody can really seem to define. Um, but nonetheless, uh, that's, sort of the, that's sort of the line that veterinarians, at least in California, have to walk. Uh, and that really all, so, so the other interesting thing is everything I just said pertains to what the federal government would refer to as marijuana or higher THC products. The irony is that in California, veterinarians are not supposed to even discuss the use of hemp-based CBD products, which is ridiculous because these products are incredibly safe uh, and can be very therapeutically beneficial, but it's really just an example of how how the regulatory agencies are lagging behind what's happening in the real world. So, so that's a, a, a very circuitous way to answer your question, which is, which is veterinarians, at least in California, are not allowed to recommend or sell any sort of cannabis product, hemp included. We are allowed to discuss, quote, medical marijuana. Um, and to be honest with you, I mean, there's discussion about hemp products going on as well. Um, it's not, those regulations are not something that the veterinary medical board is really sort of actively enforcing. Um, as I look sort of broader across the United States, um, these laws are very, very variable from one state to the next. There are states where veterinarians can recommend medical marijuana. There are states where veterinarians can and do sell hemp-based cannabis products out of their office. Uh, it really just depends on how the state government has chosen to deal with it. So long story short, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to add this in just in case people wonder why I'm, I'm framing questions in a certain way. And, and I'm not just saying, so what do you recommend, you know? 
I wanted to make sure people understand that is the reason why we're talking about sure. discussing stuff and suggesting and I'll right. say things like tell us tell us a bit about what you know about you know stuff like that. So um, I, I will throw in here. Um, we we do. I do. I'm in a similar situation that I was kind of faced um, when I came over to America uh, a, a year and a half ago uh, in uh, the summer of 2019. A similar situation. So many people were asking me what what products, what I would recommend as a person, as a dog lover, as a dog owner, people who followed my online training program. They were saying to me, what is the best product? How do I know what's good and what's bad? And it's something we'll touch on. Um, and that's why I went down the track of actually putting together, using one of the best manufacturers we could find to put together a product because it was so complicated. And um, and that's something I'd like to touch in. I'm not going to go into our product at all here. I'll talk all about it a little bit maybe at the end just for those people who are interested. But this is very much a general conversation about the benefits um, of um, hemp-based CBD product and and just what people should really be looking for if they're going to move down that track. So I'm, I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking I want to get into this. So maybe we could jump into the kind of the the real the meat of this really in a way, um, and and you could tell us a little bit about maybe just your general experience um, of hemp based CBD products with dogs and and what you've noticed or what you've found or what you've come across or what people have told you that sort of stuff. Sure. So, um, you know, as, as most of us know, I mean, there's no shortage of availability as far as hemp-based CBD products. Um, mm. uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, this is very much what I would describe as a, as a buyer beware market in the sense that yes, there's so much money out there um, that's, that's being made. Um, and unfortunately what that means is that, you invariably are going to are you are going to end up with with people getting into this business with really the only goal is to make as much money as possible and usually that means they're making yep. they're making substandard products um so you know it is it's it's very much a, a marketplace where where as the person purchasing uh, the product you need to be very careful about what you're buying and and who you're buying from but mm-hmm. but speaking you know speaking to you know, well-constructed, well-formulated hemp-based medicines, I have seen a lot of benefit in my patients with with these medicines, uh, with things ranging from control of arthritis and other forms of pain, uh, partial control of seizures, uh, help with anxiety, help with gastrointestinal problems, uh, we've really seen quite a, you know, quite a wide range of, of, of value and, and potential benefit here. Uh, and in fact, you know, in the past few years, there has been uh, more and more research that is being published to that effect. So, for example, we now know based on the research that CBD is beneficial for dogs with osteoarthritis. We now know from the research that CBD is at least partially beneficial for dogs with seizures. Uh, interestingly, there was a study that came out literally just a couple of weeks ago looking at the use of CBD for anxiety and fear in dogs. And the conclusion of that study was, is it, is it was not helpful. Uh, in my experience, I have found it to be helpful in some dogs. So I think that that may be something that, that certainly warrants further study. Um, but, you know, the point is, is that, is that, we are now fortunately in a place where 
where legitimate scientific research is coming. Uh, and that's going to give us a lot, a lot more information to base our decisions on. Brilliant. I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, people listening to the show who have, you know, older dogs. Um, I myself have had older dogs. I've got an older dog now who's struggling with um, the, the sore joints. I, have you any understanding of, of why or how it actually helps? Is it working as possibly like a, an anti-inflammatory? Is that the the way it's possibly working or? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and, and cannabinoids, uh, or, or if we're going to be more specific, CBD have multiple mechanisms of action that, that are probably helpful for pain. Probably the, the, you know, I would say the three, the three biggest ones are number one, it is an anti-inflammatory, uh, and, and, uh, cannabinoids function in, in very similar ways to uh, pharmaceutical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So, you know, if anybody's got a dog that was ever on Medicam, Rimadyl, Galaprant, what have you, um, uh, cannabinoids function in similar ways as those drugs. In addition to that, they are also what are called allosteric modulators of opioid receptors. So in, in English, what that means is, is the cannabinoids, they don't activate the opiate receptors, but they, they allow the opiate receptors to become more active to the body's own natural endorphins. So it can help relieve pain in that way. Wow. Uh, and then lastly, there is a, uh, there's a class of uh, nerve fiber receptors called TRPV1 receptors. And to make a very long story short, these, uh, these receptors play a really large part in pain response and and cannabis and cannabinoids can really help sort of down regulate those so there's just less painful stimuli from the nerves wow i mean for me anything that's allowing the body to behave better and uh, cope with pain better that's that's pretty not only is it awesome news it's also for me it makes me go wow this is actually working with nature this is a, a natural product in a way working with nature to help dogs cope with the pain as they get older what a beautiful thing it sure is yeah yeah and um another thing um you touched on earlier is how it can actually help with seizures so i'm presuming that's we're talking about epilepsy there it, it's been seen to possibly yes um i i loved you, your explanation of how it actually works from a you know medical point of view are you able to touch into that is it a similar thing i mean it's obviously not so much to do with anti-inflammatory i wouldn't have thought but i'm i'm kind of guessing at this point so do you have any understanding of how there is, uh, you know, there's, there's at least theoretical understanding. Um, yeah. So, you know, that we know, we know that cannabinoids affect the central nervous system and we know that they affect particular neurotransmitters, um, uh, particularly uh, neurotransmitters like GABA, like serotonin uh, neurotransmitters that can play a part in seizure activity. So, you know, when we're talking about a patient that has epilepsy, effectively, you know, epilepsy is, is, is kind of a malfunction in the brain where neurons fire when they shouldn't. Um, and, and there's no one reason why that would happen in a person or an animal. Uh, it's a very individual and very variable thing, which is probably why there is no medication nor no one cannabis formulation that works for everything. Um, because because the mechanisms from one individual to the next uh, would tend to be different. But because cannabis can regulate 
the release and amount of these neurotransmitters in the central nervous system, at least in some patients, we, we appear to be able to affect the frequency and severity of seizures. Wow. I mean, with a lot of, sometimes I guess it is a case of we, we, we try it, people test it and they give feedback as to whether it works. And um, like you said, at the very start of this um, podcast, if it works, it works. And that's the stuff you're interested in, you know, the end result really. So yeah, I, I've experienced that myself. Sometimes I, I know stuff works and I can't figure out how or why, but uh, I keep going and then finally it starts to make more and more sense. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Right. We, I, I have a, a dog training program called the Dog Trainer Academy and it, we, I, I help people become dog trainers. So I've actually got dog trainers all over America who are using my program. And a lot of them are always asking and, and interested in whether or not, you know, we should be looking at suggesting CBD, you know, and base CBD products. So that's mm-hmm. also why I ask. Um, so many people just want to know, you know, they, I, I was asked the other day about whether I, if um, I believe that hemp-based CBD products could help with things like cancer. Um, and I, I've read a little bit about it possibly being able to help, but is that a, is that something you have any experience with or? Well, here, here's here's what I can tell you. I mean, if you if you look at the research, there's been a lot of research looking into the effects of various components of cannabis on cancer, mm-hmm. and there is there is a lot of of laboratory data that would show that the various components in cannabis can have very profound anti-cancer effects. Now, to be clear. You know, when I say laboratory data, I'm talking about, you know, either either in vitro studies, meaning it's happening in a Petri dish or a test tube. Yes. Or we're talking about lab animals like mice and rats. Yes. Um, and just because something can cure cancer in a mouse does not mean it can cure cancer in a person or a dog. Sure. Um, so we're 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 a ways away from that. Um, I can tell you from personal experience, just from having had quite a number of cancer patients who are using cannabis along with, along with other therapies. Uh, you know, my impression is number one, I think the, the pets seem to be more comfortable. Uh, they have less pain. They tend to eat a little bit better. They just seem a little bit more settled. Uh, I have seen instances where I feel like, the the sort of timeline or you know the the uh the period between when treatment was started and then when the animal gets really sick i feel like that timeline can be extended uh you know uh, the caveat i'll throw out there is you know i don't really have patients that are using cannabis and nothing else so frequently it's being combined with, with other natural therapies, sometimes with chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, what have you. Um, so it's a little bit hard to parse out, yeah. you know, exactly what's doing what. But, but, but speaking in the broad sense, I do think that these animals tend to do better and have a better quality of life for longer uh, when they're on cannabis as opposed to when they're not. Yep. Skin irritations. A lot of people have told me that it seems to help relax their dogs. You've talked about it being a, a, a painkiller. Is it? Is that how you think? Um, uh-huh. I mean, first of all, I, sh- I guess I should ask: Have you have you come across um, CBD hemp-based CBD products being used 
to to help dogs who've got irritations and scratching and itching and all that sort of stuff and yeah they're 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 out there i mean it's certainly not um you know kind of the primary thing that that cbd products are marketed for um that said we do know that there are endocannabinoid receptors in the skin and the hair follicles so we do know that that you know using a cannabis product externally can affect the endocannabinoid system. I can tell you from personal experience that that topical cannabis products can be very helpful for pain. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's something that I think, at least in my mind, is not in question in the slightest. When you say topical, can you just clarify topical? So topical, I mean, depends on the product. I mean, could be a cream, could be a balm, um, could be a spray. Uh, but effectively, what you're really doing when you use a topical product is it's not it's not that the product is significantly being absorbed into the deeper tissues. But as I say, there are receptors in the skin and the hair follicle that are responding to, the, to those cannabinoids. And those receptors are then transmitting effects deeper into the dog yep. uh, or person or animal or what have you. Um, so, so, you know, that, but to get around to your question, as far as like skin irritation, I think that there may be some application there. I will tell you that it's, it's not something that I use all that frequently for skin related things. And I'd be very curious to see, um, you know, if there's any emerging research in that field. Uh, and it, it wouldn't surprise me ultimately if there was a combination of cannabinoids that was helpful, um, we would just have to figure out what that is. Yep. Yeah. A number of times you've mentioned uh, it being used as a, a pain relief. Yeah. Um, have there been test studies done on how powerful it is, uh, how, how it actually works? Is it? Well, as I, you know, from a pain relief standpoint, um, you know, the mechanisms of, uh, are, are pretty much the same as what we discussed earlier from, from the, you know, inflammation perspective. So um it's a COX inhibitor. Uh, it, it's an allosteric modulator of opioid receptors. It's a, it's a TRIP-V1 inhibitor. I mean, that's really how it helps with pain. Uh, there, have been, there have been some studies, you know, both comparing the effects of cannabis versus, uh, versus more conventional pain relievers, um, you know, both in patients as well as sort of looking at specific mechanisms in a, you know, in a laboratory setting. And to be honest with you, the, uh, the results are, they're a little bit inconsistent. Uh, I think that, I think that it is unequivocal that cannabinoids are beneficial from a pain control standpoint. And for the sake of saying it, speaking broadly, THC is probably a more potent pain relieving cannabinoid than is CBD. Um, and THC absolutely can be used in animals. It just has to be dosed very carefully yep. because as you mentioned earlier, you know, you know, having your pet stoned is never going to be an acceptable side effect. Mm. Um, but that said, just like a person can take a small amount of THC and not feel anything. So can a dog or a cat, again, it just has to be dosed properly. Uh, but, uh, to, to get back to your original question, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting work out there looking at the use of these products for pain. And like I say, both, both in the research as well as, as just, you know, real world experience would, would indicate that, that there's a lot of uses for pain control as it pertains to cannabis. Brilliant.
feel like I could chat for ages about all these different things, but we I want to keep this moving along. So for those people who are sitting listening, going, wow, wow, wow. Okay, that's great. But you've already said mentioned there's so many products out there. There's so many different things, you know, broad spectrum and all this different language almost, which is used when describing, uh, you know, CBD products. What would your advice be for somebody who's looking at, at you know, choosing or selecting or trying some sort of uh, product? How, how, what would your main kind of guidelines be? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really excellent question. And, and, you know, I think that that all really comes back to realistically speaking, the two questions that you need to answer are, is it safe and is it effective? So on the safe side, that's where you have to do a little bit of investigation to make sure that the product has in it what the company says is in it and doesn't have anything in it that shouldn't be in it. So, uh, you know, in other words, sometimes depending on can- how cannabis is grown, it, like any other agricultural product, it could wind up becoming contaminated with pesticides, fungicides, bacteria, mold, what have you. Obviously, that's not something you want in your medicine or your dog's medicine. Uh, Similarly, uh, companies will very frequently make claims about the amount of CBD or the amount of other ingredients that that are in their product. Uh, And the only way to really know for sure uh, what's actually in these products, both good and bad, is to get what's called a certificate of analysis or a COA. So a certificate of analysis is, is, is a laboratory analysis of that cannabis product. So when a company makes a formula, they, at least they should, send it to a qualified lab and that laboratory will analyze that product both for cannabinoids, other ingredients in cannabis, terpenes, what have you, but also for contaminants. So bacteria, fungi, pesticides, etc. And the company should be willing and eager to provide a certificate of analysis for any product that they sell. If they don't want to provide a certificate of analysis, I would suggest getting a different product um, because I think that that brings into question what it is that that company doesn't really want you to see. Um, One last note on a a COA is, you know, as, as you know, cannabis is an agricultural product. It's it's a plant. As such, every time a crop of cannabis is grown, it's going to be a little bit different than the last one. It's never going to be exactly the same. As such, every new batch of medicine that is made needs to have a COA that is specific to that batch. So, you know, if somebody's going to send you a COA for a batch that's a year and a half old, Um, that's probably not super valid for the thing that you're buying off the shelf right now. So you have to make sure that what you're getting is recent and applicable to, to the product that you're buying. So that, that really sort of all of that kind of satisfies the, the safety issues. Then there's the efficacy side of things. So what we know, uh, based on the research, as I mentioned earlier, is cannabis can be beneficial for dogs with arthritis pain, and at least can be partially beneficial for dogs with anxiety. Now, all of that really sort of hinges on dosing. 
Um, and, and here's where things can get a little bit tricky is the dose for both the, the published dose in the research for both arthritis as well as for seizures is kind of in the ballpark of about a milligram of CBD per pound of dog twice daily. So for example, if you have a 60 pound dog, you would be giving 60 milligrams of CBD twice a day. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the CBD market, 60 milligrams of CBD twice a day is a very expensive dose of CBD um, and probably not something that a lot of people can sustainably afford for the long term. Now, that said, that doesn't mean that lower doses, is, lower doses aren't effective. They certainly can be, but that's where we're at with the published dosing. So normally I would suggest people start off at a much lower dose and work their way up slowly to the dose that they feel is effective. So from the standpoint of, of product selection, one of the things that's really important is the concentration of the product. So for example, if you bought a product that was had one milligram of CBD per milliliter of, of oil, and you had a 60 pound dog, you would have to give 60 milliliters or ballpark around two ounces of liquid uh, every dose. Uh, that's, that's not practical. So what you would need to be looking for is a much, much higher concentration of product. Like, so for example, in that same example, if you got a product that was 60 milligrams of CBD per milliliter of oil, you would have to give one milliliter, which is like a fifth of a teaspoon. Uh, so all of this, you know, sometimes people tend to shop for products based on price. Yeah. But frequently, if you, you know, if you look on the ingredients list and you look at the, um, you look at the concentration of, say, CBD in the product, you have to really sort of do the math that way to figure out what you're getting uh, when you buy it. And then just one last thing to note, uh, as far as efficacy goes, CBD is not it's not the only thing that's effective in hemp-based cannabis. Uh, there is such a thing in, in whole plant medicine and cannabis medicine called the entourage effect. And what that refers to is the synergistic activity of many of the different compounds that occur naturally in cannabis. So not only CBD, but other cannabinoids, uh, other compounds called terpenes, which can have a lot of uh, natural benefit. So, you know, there's research that shows that when people are given, you know, 100% pure CBD, it does not work as well as when they're given full spectrum cannabis products that benefit from the entourage effect, meaning they have things other than CBD in them. So my suggestion when you're looking for a product is don't get a product that just, that is, you know, the term would be a CBD isolate, meaning there's nothing there but CBD. I would suggest getting what's called a full spectrum product. Now, as far as exactly which full spectrum to look for, to be honest with you, that really depends on what you're, what you're trying to treat. So for example, the ideal spectrum for, for arthritis might be a little bit different than the one for, for seizures or for anxiety, what have you. So that requires a little bit more homework um, on your end. But, but I mean, I think in, in broad strokes, those are the kinds of things that you should be looking for when you're out there shopping for a hemp-based CBD product. Brilliant. Very helpful. I often um, 
think of uh, full spectrum CBD as being a bit like a rainbow, you know, rainbows <laughs> are so beautiful with all those different colors. But if you just had red, if there was just a line of red, it would look a bit weird. And if you just had a blue rain, bit of blue in the sky, it's not as beautiful as when you have them all. So, yeah, full spectrum is the way to go. Just just touching on it, just so that people who are listening, um, we the, the, the product that I have uh, promote and sell and have put my name to, which is called Angel Oil, it um, – yeah, we have a COA. It every single batch is checked and tested, and obviously this costs money. But that's exactly the route we went down. We wanted to be able to guarantee that there's nothing in there that shouldn't be in there, and that what it says on the label is in every single um, batch. And so we've got that, and it is all full spectrum and uh, super high concentrate. So I'll put some links in there for people who are interested. But uh, wow. That's absolutely fantastic. Look, the time has flown by. I could chat for hours and hours. I'm sure people are thinking, <laughs> wow, I'm interested. I want to know more. But I, I want to make sure people can get in touch with you as well. So um, we didn't even get to talk about Leo, your dog. I, we jumped into this so fast. Um, I always think people who are listening want to know, have you got a dog? Would you tell us a little bit about Leo? Just uh, Well, um, you know, Leo, um, sadly, Leo is now a former dog. Oh, um, but, but that's okay. Uh, he was a wonderful dog. Leo, um, Leo had a seizure disorder. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I tried a lot of different things, uh, to try and manage that both naturally and pharmaceutically. And, you know, some of the natural things I tried didn't really work very well. The pharmaceuticals, I wasn't overjoyed with the side effects and so much as he was kind of a zombie. Um, but I did wind up trying CBD, um, both hemp-based CBD as well as kind of a more broad-spectrum uh, product with a little bit of THC in it. And I found that those products really had a positive effect on both the frequency and severity of his seizures. Now, wow. to be clear, it didn't it didn't completely alleviate the seizures, um, but it certainly made them less frequent and less severe. So, uh, you know, it, it you know you know to me that you know that you can't put a price on that when it's, you know, when it's your own family. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned the side effects, which is another thing uh, regarding hemp-based CBD products. Uh, the side effects often it's gentler on the stomach. The dog doesn't ha have so many side effects. Or is, is that fair to say? Is that your experience? That is, that is very fair to say. And, you know, one of the things that I often tell people about natural medicine in general is when you're using natural products, Frequently, your side effects profile are actually good things. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, you may be treating your dog for arthritis, but maybe he's a little calmer. Maybe his stomach's a little more settled. Yeah. Maybe he's sleeping a little bit better um, as opposed to where, like, if you were to give a pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory, you have to worry about stomach upset. You have to worry about liver and kidney related issues. Um, but with natural medicine, it's it, it, it's more frequently the opposite. Your side effects are good things. Which is the entourage effect again, that because the dog's sleeping better, he's more relaxed, more happy. Yep. And um, eats better and all the rest of it. So, uh, um, so in terms of people getting in touch with you, you, you've got a number of websites. You've got a beautiful book you've written. What, 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 what would you recommend? If people uh, want to know more about you, they thought you're fantastic, and they're going, "Who is this guy? Where do I where do I find out more?" Well, <laughs> so um, it, it depends a little bit on what somebody's looking for. So, um, you know, for example, if it was somebody in 
California in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they wanted to come see me and 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 bring their dog as a patient, uh, I would suggest that they go to my office website, which is holisticvetcare.com. Um, if, uh, if somebody's looking for kind of a little bit more general information, um, about holistic and natural medicine, uh, there, there's a couple of websites they can look at. There is drgaryrichter.com as well as petvetexpert.com. Um, and not to inundate you with, uh, with websites, but I've also been involved this year with the formation of a nonprofit called the Veterinary Cannabis Society. And the goal of this nonprofit is to promote and provide education about cannabis as medicine to both pet owners and veterinarians, as well as advocate for for legal changes that will make things uh, more more easy and more appropriate uh, as far as veterinarians being able to discuss and recommend cannabis. Uh, we're just launching. Uh, the website is up. The, uh, the website is vcs.pet. Uh, so if people wanted to go check that out um, at the very bottom of the website, if you would uh, like to um, put your name there, it'll go on to our mailing list. So as new things come out, we'll be able to send you updates. Brilliant. And all of these links are going to be on my uh, website, on the page which is going to host this uh, podcast. And and so if you want to remember just one URL website, then go to theonlinedogtrainer.com forward slash holistic vet care. So if you want to remember that, theonlinedogtrainer.com forward slash holistic vet care. And then you'll be able to get access to all of... Uh, Dr. Gary Richter's uh, websites and all the stuff that he's mentioned and all the stuff that he does. Fantastic. Lovely. Well, that's a wrap today. So, so much um, love and gratitude and thanks for your, I can feel your heart. I can feel the love that you have for the dogs and I can feel that's why you do this. And, and coming on the show today has meant a lot to me. It's really opened my heart, my eyes. And yeah, I've, I've learned a lot myself and, um, yeah, it just feels like, yeah, we're on the right track. And um, yeah, just appreciate what you do for the dogs. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's been a great pleasure. Thank you once again, Dr. Gary Richter. It's been an absolutely awesome, informative uh, podcast. I've loved it. I'm sure you've all learned loads and, you know, you're, you're thinking, gosh, my life's changed. My life's pivoting again. Maybe I need to look into this a bit more. So do check out theonlinedogtrainer.com forward slash holistic vet care. And uh, that's all from me. I'm Doggy Dan. This is the Doggy Dan podcast show. Have a wonderful day. And as always, love your dog. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan podcast show, bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.